It's time for JT the Brick. What's up, JT? Got to get this win. Get this win. Get one win. If anybody in this organization ever talks about losing in that building, they're gone. If I ever go to a game and my team doesn't care and they mail it in, I'm returning my season tickets. I don't care if you lose the game. You're going to lose, but act like you care. JT the Brick. We're trying to help the Raider fans get through these issues that they can't get through. And they just blame me, some of them, because they think, like, I hired the guys. JT's the guy who moved us from Oakland. JT's the guy who brought in Jimmy G. No, I'm not. I'm just a guy on the microphone from noon to two every day. And now, be ready. Here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you. The power of technology. I just finished three hours on Sirius XM. Press the button. And connected with Bobby, and I'm on with Bobby for the next two hours. Five hours solo. I am in the midst of five hours of sports radio. Uh, brought to you by PTs, the best happy hour in town. Five to seven, midnight to two. Golden Entertainment, proud partner of ours. They own the Strat, over 64 taverns. Arizona Charlie's and the Laughlin Entertainment Center, where I'm driving to in a little over two hours to go see Journey tonight. Spent some time last night with Jonathan Kane, the keyboard player from Journey. We'll be guests of our friends at Golden Entertainment and Journey. Wife and I are heading out to Laughlin, Nevada. And uh, excited about that in a couple of hours here. There's a lot of rain at the PGA, black clouds and black skies. Scotty Scheffler has the lead at five under par. Five under par, DeChambeau is four under. Hovland, three under. Keegan Bradley, two under. But the weather's really kicking into play, so I'll keep an eye on the leaderboard. Scotty Scheffler, he's so good. If he has an eight- or nine-stroke lead, this is over. This is over. If you're like six, seven, eight strokes back, you're not going to catch Scotty Scheffler. So he has the opportunity. He and DeChambeau, that would be a live golfer going up against a PGA Tour golfer. That's kind of a nice little rivalry. I'd love to see those guys paired together. And Bryson DeChambeau is now putting for birdie on the second hole, and he comes up short. He'll get a par. He'll remain at four under par. Hope everyone's doing well. We got a busy show lined up. Kevin Ioli is going to join us sometime this hour, the great boxing insider, as Lomachenko-Haney fight is Saturday. I'll be there at the MGM Grand for that. If you're going to the fight, uh, let's talk about how to bet it and who's going to win the fight. I'll get to that before the show ends. I'll be going to the Golden Knights Game 2 on Sunday, I'd like to have a really good hour. I'm loaded up with some interviews in the second hour. If you're a Golden Knight fan, please join us as we're trying to be the only show in Las Vegas who talks about this outside of the Golden Knights radio station, which is across the hall from us. If you can hear my voice, which I know you can, the Vegas Golden Knights play tonight. Game one of the Western Conference Finals. How cool is that? Let's pretend to be a hockey town Get the phones going at 702-365-9200. Let's get behind this hockey team, and let's make sure that Vegas shows up tonight and doesn't have a slow start. Uh, They didn't look good initially against Winnipeg. They put away Edmonton, and now they're going to go up against their old coach, Peter DeBoer, who's a very good coach. Took Vegas pretty far. They fired him, and now he has Dallas in the conference finals. He's a hell of a coach, this guy. He is a hell of a coach, and he will have them ready to go. So if you're going to the game tonight, get there early. Uh, Let me know what you think of this game tonight, and we're going to jump in. We've got a lot to talk about with that here over the next couple of hours. The only other topic I want to get to, and I'm probably going to lead with in a moment, is the Lakers. I believe the Lakers are done. I just did three hours on it. They're toast. Phones were packed on the national show. There aren't many Laker fans that believe they could come back. 
most Laker fans now who are educated, know the, know the sport, realize that they can't win four out of five. See, my theory is the Lakers can win two out of three. They can't win four out of five. And last night they had the lead. They had the ability to come and close them out. And Jamal Murray took over the game. So for the Lakers, they blew a golden opportunity to have an opportunity to tie the series up at one, and they didn't do that. So by letting that game go, I believe the series is over. I repeat, over, done. The Lakers will win a game, maybe two, but I don't think they could win four out of five. And that's always been my philosophy in sports. If you drop the first two in a series, even if you don't lose those games at home and you lose them on the road, I don't believe the inferior team, which the Lakers are, they're the seven seed. Denver's the one seed. I don't think the inferior team can win four out of five. It's happened, but it really does. So if you think the Lakers have a pulse, if you think the Lakers can win, I need to hear from you before the top of the hour. 702-365-9200. Let's go back to some of the highlights from last night. And Murray just started to take over in the fourth quarter. He was the guy. Jokic couldn't get much going because the Lakers were double-teaming him, and Murray stepped up for three. Murray working against Hachimura. Five on the clock to Jokic. Back to Murray. Murray goes to the right hand. He gets jumped by LeBron, takes a three. That was good! Uh, Nuggets radio on the call. He was fantastic. He was brilliant. Dominated the game. He was better than Anthony Davis, Jokic, and LeBron James in the fourth quarter, and that says a lot. Michael Porter Jr. is a really good player. See, most people don't know the Nuggets. They don't watch the Nuggets on TV. They're in the central time zone. They don't know what channel the Nuggets are on, so they don't watch them. Last night, you saw the role players and the starters all come together. Here's Porter Jr. for three. Jokic inside the arc, hands it off to Porter for three. Yes! Now we go! Now we go! That was pretty impressive there. Everyone did their job, and the Lakers didn't. LeBron kind of disappeared late. He did disappear late. Here's the final call as the Denver Nuggets dominated the fourth quarter easily to take a commanding two games to none lead. Here comes the freight train across the timeline. Picked his pocket clean. Did Bruce Brown, and Denver's going to win game number two. There's the horn. Denver takes a commanding two games. Uh, that's Nuggets Radio on the call. So with all of that, with all that happening, there we go. Denver's up 2 nothing. I know Vegas is a big Laker town, a huge Laker town here. Uh, we don't have an NBA team. We will get an NBA team. I can guarantee you sitting here today that Las Vegas, the people working behind the scenes who I know personally, will bring you an NBA team sooner than later. And I think LeBron James might be a part of it at some point down the road as a minority owner someone who will have a piece of the team. I'm thinking, that's a lot of the rumors I've been hearing, but I know there's a lot of Laker fans here in town. If you're a Laker fan, if you can tell me and explain to me how they come back and win, you'd be the first person to do that today. Because everyone's saying, I hope the Lakers come back. I've had callers last hour say to me, I believe the Lakers are going to come back. What the hell is that? I believe. Well, you believe what? How, how, how do you believe that? Are they going to double-team Jokic? What are they going to do that's going to bring him back into the series? I don't see much. And maybe you can help me out with that, 702-365-9200 as we get going. Because I think it's going to be tough when you're the inferior team and you didn't work hard all year and you mailed in the season. You mail in the season and now all of a sudden you act like you want to win. doesn't work that way. So that's where we stand today. PGA Championship underway. 
In regards to Raiders news, there's not much of it. Uh, the Raiders will meet with the media next week, and we'll hear from the coach. We're going to be in the building hosting a podcast, Raiders Roundtable. And as more and more of the players show up here and we have more opportunity to talk to him, we'll see what's going to happen here. Happy birthday to Mark Davis yesterday. I reached out and connected with him. Mark Davis had his birthday yesterday, owner of the Raiders. We wish him well. And in regards to Jimmy Garoppolo, Devontae Adams, uh, some of the weapons that they have on offense, depending on how much they're going to play in the preseason, I think they're going to be really good. I think the offense is going to be outstanding. I think they're not done. I wouldn't be surprised if they were able to get another offensive player on the offensive line. And defensively, I won't say they did a lot defensively, but they brought in Epps to play safety, and they went out and did something big. I thought, you know, Spillane comes in to play linebacker. He can play. He's going to start like him or not. And I don't know much about him. He had 12 tackles in the uh, Christmas Eve game, the Franco Harris game where the Raiders collapsed. He had 12 tackles in that game, 12. And he's the type of guy that can come here and tackle. Can he guard Travis Kelsey? Can he help? I don't know. I haven't. I've seen. I saw the guy play one game, but I've seen some film. Film on him. He's a really good player. But will he be a standout linebacker? I do not know. And then the rest of the defense, they went out and got a little bit of depth at the cornerback position in the draft, which I'm excited about. And they got a defensive edge rusher with the seventh pick overall. I'm excited about that. Max Crosby is healthy. Patrick Graham. I think, has smarter, faster, more explosive players. So he's going to have to come in and do a big-time job. Huge job. Huge job. I mean, it's go time for Patrick Graham. He's got to get going here. Mark Davis has full commitment to Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels, as you know. Patrick Graham's got to coach this team up. He's got to get more out of them than he did last year. I think he'll be able to do that. Very active at the Senior Bowl, and they brought some players that he likes in via the draft. The schedule release came out. I can promise you this. I've never lied on this radio show once in 26 years. I've been known to exaggerate. I've gotten more phone calls in the last three days from people who want my tickets who actually think I'm just going to give it to them for free. These tickets are going for like $1,200 a pop. They're going for like $500 a pop. And Raider fans are like, dude, you got a jet ticket for me? Hey, you got giant tickets for me? Hey, man, I'd like to go to the Packer game. So would I. You can come see me. I'm working at the torch. I got a credential around my neck. Back in Oakland, I tell the story, uh, I'm exaggerating. But in Oakland, there used to be a bowl of tickets. When you go by in Oakland, hey, can I have two for the game? Sure, JT. Go reach your hand in the bowl. Give, give my buddies a couple of tickets in the black hole. No more, man. This place is sold out. Mark Davis built a jewel in the desert with the cooperation of Las Vegas, a hotel tax, a bunch of money and a good loan to come in here. And now we have the hottest ticket in all the NFL. And Raider fans are clamoring now to find out how they're going to get into the games. Here's the answer I give to everybody. There are no tickets. They're all sold. You have to go through your Raider friends for a hookup. And that's it. And I'm sure maybe your Raider fans are more successful than me. And they'll give them to you. They'll hand them to you for free. I can't do that. I just paid for one to get out of college. I got two more years with the other one, the younger guy. And ASU, that's out of state, man. I got to write a big check. So no free Raider tickets here, but a lot of Raider content. This hour is also brought to you by the Black Hole. We are in partnership on Raider Nation Radio now with the Black Hole, the most notorious fans in all of sports. You can, you can become a member at theblackhole.com. How cool is that? I'm already a member. If you're not a member, just go to theblackhole.com, click on one link, 
and you'll get set up to be a member of the Black Hole. You'll get a T-shirt, you'll get some cool stuff, and you'll be ready to go for opening day against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Finally, one more thing about the schedule. I was on another radio show in Denver yesterday, and they were clamoring me saying, how come the Raiders get a break and they're playing all these teams after they play on Monday night? I said, excuse me? Did you say the Raiders get a break? The Raiders have to open up on the road for the Denver Broncos and Buffalo Bills home openers. You name anybody who's got a tougher start to the schedule than the Las Vegas Raiders. They open up at Denver. Denver despises everything Raiders. They hate the Raiders. Sean Payton's first ever game, ever, as the head coach. You think they're going to be ready? They'll be ready. And then the Raiders have to go to Buffalo to take on Josh Allen and the Bills, who I predicted they'd win the Super Bowl the last two years, and I was wrong. I still think their Super Bowl window is is heavily open, but we'll see what happens there. So uh, Scotty Scheffler, five under, and DeChambeau, four under. Connors, five under. And the rain looks like it slowed down there in Rochester, New York. 702-365-9200. The show works better when Raider fans are calling in with opinions on the Las Vegas Raiders and the Golden Knights. Let's get some Golden Knight fans to jump in, too. Let's start off with Reggie. He's in North Las Vegas. What's going on, Reg? JT, the brick. What's going on, my friend? I apologize. I haven't been calling in, but you know how I go. This time of season, we get all these sidetracked items happening. But I had like my family. I got some grandkids now. I got mom. You got you got grandkids, right? You yes, got grandkids. Sir. Yes, sir. Believe it or not, I'm 56 years old, brother. <laughs> you know, Reggie. Reggie, you know, if everyone left my show to be with their kids and their jobs and their grandkids, I'd have right, no show. Right, right. I'd have no show, I'll man. Do. I'd have no I'll show. Do. I just have a podcast, man. So I need you guys <laughs> fired up. Let's go. I'm definitely planning to get back on. I've tried several times. Ask Bobby. I've called in and been on hold and then got disconnected or something like that. But I support you, JT. I know you do. And two things, real quick. One, Raider Nation, this is a deal, too. Part of Raider Nation uh, has become so toxic that it has caused me to kind of back up, right? Ooh. I backed up in the in the standpoint of not wanting to get all bent out of shape over different things. Mm-hmm. But Raider Nation is also the reason why I hold on to what I do. I have a nonprofit organization called Salute the Kindness that helped bring, get them to the game. And you've seen plenty mm-hmm. of my uh, candidates that got tickets right. to these games. And when you talk about how difficult it is to get tickets. It's getting more and more difficult, regardless mm-hmm. of wins and losses. But guess what? When the Raiders start winning, what do you think is going to happen then? The same thing that always happens. When a winning team comes to mm-hmm. town, the bandwagon gets loaded. You know, so Raider Nation, stand up. Are we still looking for that support for Salute the Kindness? We still mm-hmm. want to get some people to the game. Also, I'm fired up for the VGK. Like, I'm nice. going to be honest, I came out of San Jose, California, where the Sharks, when they first came, I was part of that group that put in to pick the colors and the name and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. When I got here to Vegas and found out that the, uh, team, the town was about to get a hockey team, I went all in with that. Loved the choice of them coming. Loved the fact that they've been really mm-hmm. gaming up ever since they got here. And look, Western Conference Finals. If I could get tickets to that one, believe me, I would be there. So I just appreciate your show. I appreciate Raider Nation. 
And I'm just putting my voice out there to let them know we still standing strong and we ain't going nowhere. Raider Nation, okay. stand up. Raiders. Thanks, Reggie. You know, Reggie said something interesting in the phone call that, you know, there's been a lot of Raider on Raider fans getting really negative, really negative about a whole bunch of different topics. And I know I'm on the front lines. This is Game of Thrones, man, for Raiders Radio right here. This is Game of Thrones. And fans come in, and they've been pissed off because they want to win more games. And I, I encourage you to be pissed about wanting to win more games. I'm pissed, too. But I, you know, I'm involved with the team, and I have some access to the team. The little access that I have, I try to give you some of it. And I think they're on the right path. I usually believe they're on the right path because the people are working to make the organization better. And some have failed recently. And this new regime, and Dave Ziegler had his second draft, but his first real draft with extensive picks, and I thought he did a good job. I really did. I thought that Dave, who came on with us exclusively for a half hour, went pick by pick with me about what they're doing. I thought they did really good in the undrafted free agent market. I think they found a starter on the offensive line, a potential beast. And in general, I think they're vastly improved, but they have to prove it. They have to prove it. I can't sit here every day and tell you the Raiders are going to win until I see them win. But they're being counted out. I won't say like never before, but they're being counted out because more and more of the pundits and the national media aren't paying attention to their depth. All they're paying attention to is Jimmy Garoppolo and Devontae Adams. They're not paying attention to the backups, the depth, who's still on the team. Who did Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler decide to bring back? I think that's a really important topic because I'm all for Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels cleaning house, cleaning house if they want to. Well, they're not cleaning house. There's a bunch of players who have been here from the Gruden Mayock era. Still here, not a lot, and they're here for a reason. They think they can play. And then they went out and tried to get some players. The, the thing that frustrates me the most, without a doubt, is the disrespect that this fan base has to the success of the Patriots. I don't like the Patriots. I never liked the Patriots. You listen to me. You know that. But they were successful. And you don't hear that in other sports. If a whole bunch of players came to Sacramento from the Lakers... And Sacramento gets their ass kicked by the Lakers their whole life. If a bunch of Laker players went to Sacramento, I don't think the Sacramento fans would go keep them out there, Lakers. They'd want their team to get better. So I hope that the Raider fans treat Jacoby Myers like a Raider and not like a former Patriot. Right? I think Dave Ziegler, you understand he's a Raider. Josh McDaniels is doing everything he can, everything he can, to make himself available with these. TV interviews, whatever he does, and tries to engage the fans, even though some fans are not engaging him. And the team is trying to get better, and it's a struggle. It's hard to win, and clearly this new regime took over a roster that they did not like. They did not believe it was sustainable. And I hope more and more Raider fans understand that. They didn't say the roster sucked. It just wasn't their type of roster that they're used to with the success that they had in New England. They had a lot more success than the Raiders. Not a little, a lot. So they're trying to bring some of that knowledge here. If you don't like the colors of the former team, I get it. But start welcoming these new players and former players from other teams into this family. And if it takes you a while to welcome a coach or a GM a little bit longer, I get it. But, man, we're all in this together. Raider Nation wants to win. And there's a lot of Raider. I wouldn't say a lot. I mean, there's a lot of vocal Raider fans on social media who make a lot of noise. Because they're not happy, and I understand why you're not happy. You want to win. And I'd love to host this show with a winning team every year, a team that can get to the Super Bowl every year. 
And I know they're trying to do that. 702-365-9200. 21 minutes into the show. The hockey team's playing tonight. We haven't heard from a hockey fan. Now, if I thought there were no hockey fans listening, I would just forget about it. I know you're out there. If you're going to the game tonight, let me know. How excited are you? As we're ending the month of May, still alive in the postseason. The Vegas Golden Knights have an opportunity to win eight more games and drink from the cup. Have a massive parade here in Vegas. The Aces just had a parade. Let's get one for the Knights, and let's get the city on the same page. Lomachenko is going to have a really big fight against Eric Haney. Haney's the better fighter. Kevin Ioli is going to join us coming up here. We'll talk to Kevin from Yahoo. He covers the MMA and boxing on who has the advantage. How is this fight going to do? We'll find out about that. Virgin Hotels Las Vegas had dinner last night with Jonathan Kane, the keyboard player for Journey. What a diehard sports fan he is. Oh, my God. Two hours of nonstop sports talk with one of the great keyboardists, member of Journey, thanks to Virgin Hotels and One Steakhouse. JT, back with you. That's ABC, ESPN on the call. Lakers lose game two. I led with that today because I know Vegas is a Laker town and we want to do sports talk. We don't want to do Raider talk on days. There's not a lot of Raider action here coming in. We'd rather talk LeBron James today and mix in the Raider talk. So if you're a Laker fan or an NBA fan, welcome back into the show. 702-365-9200. Scotty Scheffler, co-leader now coming out of the bunker. Just hit a not too good of a bunker shot, so he's putting for par and might miss it. So he has the lead at five under par. DeChambeau has lost a stroke. He's down to three under. Rory McIlroy's trying to get going. He's putting for a bogey. Oh, this is big. Rory's one over, putting for bogey, and he made it. He made about a 10-foot bogey putt. So Rory McIlroy gets a five on the par four six hole, and he is two over par. So he's seven strokes back of Scotty Scheffler. You can't let this guy, Scotty Scheffler, run away. He's just so good, really good. A couple other things about LeBron James. I discussed this earlier today. He could no longer pass and give up a shot at this stage in his career. Early in his career, he could do that. You know, he had a guy named Booby Gibson on his team. That was the best teammate he had. Michael Jordan had Scotty Pippen. All of LeBron's critics forget that he had Booby Gibson and Kevin Love and Michael Jordan had Dennis Rodman and Scottie Pippen and a great match. But Jordan would take the big shot. Of course, there were times that Jordan would pass the ball to Paxson or Kerr and they hit some big shots. But in theory now, LeBron's played his whole career. He's 38 years old. He can't pass the ball to Anthony Davis to miss an open three. That's ridiculous. And I think in these first two games, LeBron looked really tired. I watched the game last night in a restaurant and I came home. This morning, I got up really early, and I watched the fourth quarter. I DVR'd the game, and there was one point in the third quarter where there was no doubt that they were really tired, really tired, and they had, uh, you know, they just were gasping for air. Wow. Uh, Excuse me a second, everybody. My son just walked into the studio uh, to give me some sad news. It's reported by Ari Mirov, who is a legit guy 
that my longtime friend Jim Brown has passed away at the age of 87. I'm reading this because Ari's legit. Uh, He's someone I know and we've had on this show and he wouldn't tweet it out. And I'm going to uh, try to get some more information on this. uh, If this is the case of Jim Brown uh, passing away, which is trending now on Twitter, Uh, that would be a big storyline. So my son just interrupted the show to give that to me. And I appreciate that. And that's a, that's a pretty, a big one today. 702-365-9200. We'll look for some more tweets. And I would assume uh, tweets from the Cleveland Browns and what's going to come out here in a little bit as we get rolling here. Jim Brown had a big impact on my life and uh, career. So we're going to wait and see. And I'm going to clarify this after this conversation because Kevin Ioli is kind enough to join us as we get ready for what is going to be a big fight. We have a fight coming up here, and I think it's a big one here in Vegas. Kevin, thanks for joining us. Always good to talk to you. Can you take our listeners behind the scenes of the importance and the history of Lomachenko and Haiti? What's at stake in such a big fight? Yeah, no, it's a big fight because it's for the undisputed championship. Uh, Devin Haney has all four belts, so he is the man in the lightweight division. You know, you may have heard a couple of weeks ago that Gervonta Davis had a belt, but it's a you know, secondary belt, and these crazy sanctioning bodies give out so many belts. But all the belts were won in the ring by Devin Haney. Lomachenko used to have them. He used to be the undisputed champion, so you're having – Two elite lightweights fight for all the marbles. And what gets better in boxing? You have uh, the former champion against the current champion. Uh, the current champion is young and undefeated. The, the former champion used to be the pound-for-pound pound best in the world. should be a fantastic fight. I, I, I think it's going to be a fight that uh, will surprise a lot of people. Kevin Ioli, the new columns up at Yahoo, why Lomachenko is fighting Devin Haney now instead of four years ago. Man, you and I have been to so many fights together, and you're great with the calendar, and we talk about it with Bud Crawford and Spence and the delays in these fights. And I saw a little bit that Haney's really upset that Lomachenko made him wait and wants to punish him. Why was there a wait? Why haven't these fighters got together earlier? What happened? Well, it was because of Lomachenko's desire for the real title. So this is one where we don't complain. Uh, Lomachenko had the WBC title. Uh, Then the WBC created an interim championship, which they end up giving to, uh, or not giving to, but Devin Haney won in a fight against somebody who wasn't a championship contender. So Devin Haney became the interim WBC champion, and the WBC, of course, whenever they have an interim champion, want the interim champion to fight the uh, regular champion. Lomachenko looked at it and he says, well, I'm already the WBC champion. Why do I want to fight? for the WBC belt again, and he was trying to add the IBF, the WBO, and the uh, WBA belt, which he subsequently ended up doing. So it wasn't like he was ducking him. He just looked at Devin Haney as not a real champion, and he was looking to get all the belts. Kevin Ioli joins us. What does this do for Lomachenko's legacy if he wins this fight? Oh, I think it just boosts him really high because, look, Lomachenko has done so much. Uh, a two-time Olympic gold medalist. He's uh, been a three-weight class champion as a as a pro. And really, you know, he's kind of small for the lightweight division. You know, his best weight's probably 130. Um, uh, he, he weighed in today on the market at 135. And Haney, of course, quickly to point out that uh, Lo, uh, he weighed 134.9, so that Loma was bigger. But when you see them in person, you know, Haney, uh, you know, towers over him right and, and he's a he's a bigger guy Haney is an undefeated fast-handed uh athlete 
Lomachenko beats that guy and regains the belts at 35 years old, then, you know, that, that puts him in the all-time category. I mean, I think, you know, for small fighters, you've got to give Lomachenko credit, uh, you know, for what he has accomplished. Kevin Ioli, Yahoo Sports, check out all his great work. So, Kevin, Haney, how great can he be? Where is his legacy now for those who are listening and they want to get the fight, they want to get it on pay-per-view? Why buy a Haney fight? What does he do? What's at stake for him? There has been a lot of comparisons to Floyd Mayweather Jr. with Devin Haney for a long time. You know, Haney turned pro at 17 years old. And I remember talking to him, uh, maybe he was 19 at the time. And at that point, he was saying, I want to fight Teofimo Lopez. I want to fight Gervonta Davis. I want to fight Ryan Garcia. And, of course, he wanted to fight uh, Vasily Lomachenko. Uh, So he's a guy that's ambitious. He's extremely fast. He's a great boxer good defensively, but I think he hits a lot harder than people think. You know, his uh, knockout ratio isn't as uh, great as some. You know, he has 15 knockouts in 29 fights, but he started so early that, you know, he was growing into his strength. Uh, The one knock on Devin Haney right now is that maybe he hasn't fought the kind of opposition that, you know, you want to see a guy that's the undisputed world champion. He ended up beating uh, George Cambosis for the belts. And George Cambosis was an opponent for Teofimo Lopez and wasn't expected to win. And Lopez had all sorts of health issues before the fight. He could have pulled out of the fight, and there are multiple doctors who said he should have done that. He went ahead with it, and Cambosis beat him, making him the undisputed champion. And Haney quickly took it from him and then beat him again. So Haney hasn't had, you know, he hasn't been in there with a Davis or a uh, Lopez or a Garcia or some of those guys, you know, Shakur Stevenson. And that, you know, so his resume be lacking in terms of top name people. But I think you'll see when he gets steps in that ring, he is an elite top level fighter himself. Kevin Ioli, as we wrap it up from Yahoo. Kevin, finally, for the listeners who say, I'm not into boxing as much as I used to. I'm more into MMA. It drives me nuts. You know, I'm not into Logan Paul fights. I'm not into YouTube boxers. I want big, big fights. And we were there for Floyd and Manny Pacquiao and Oscar De La Hoya, Trinidad, you and I at Tyson Holyfield. All these great fights. Let's wrap it up and put a bow on it. Where is the state of boxing today? And the promoters who aren't able to make the super fights like Bob and Don were able to make 20, 30 years ago. Where are we in 2023 with the future of boxing? Well, you know, JT, I think we have a lot. You know, it goes in cycles, uh, the talent levels. And I think we're in an up cycle level right now. We have a Mm -hmm. lot of good fighters. And the problem is, you know, boxing goes from the top down rather than from the bottom up. And so you want to see the biggest fights being made. And two fights that people want to see are Fury Usyk for the undisputed heavyweight title. What is bigger than an undisputed heavyweight champion in boxing? Nothing. And then they want to see Crawford Spence for the undisputed welterweight title. And those two fights aren't getting made and they don't look like there's any progress toward being uh, getting them made. And that makes it all look bad. A lot of things going on. A lot of things are changing for the better. And guys like Ryan Garcia and, and Devin Haney or uh, and Shakur Stevenson are a big part of that because they're saying, Hey, we want these fights. But when you can't get the, the true super fights made when they make sense, that, that, that hurts. And that's why the casual fan kind of tunes out of, uh, on boxing a lot of the time. Thank you, Kevin. I'll see you at the fight. Thanks so much for making time for me today. Look forward to it, JT. See you soon. Take care, Kevin. Kevin Ioli, nice to get him on right before the fight. I'll be there Saturday night. Uh, we got some other programming lined up here as we do on Friday. So we got a couple other interviews. Scott Kaplan's going to join us on the Lakers already booked uh, bobby and i decided that we're going to do a jim brown tribute show on monday 
So uh, Jim Brown passed away. It's confirmed by his wife, Monique. And uh, Jim, who had a controversial life and a really detailed life as one of the greatest athletes of all time, and the impact that he had on me, I'm proud to have called him a friend. And what a huge impact. And, and he just had in regards to civil rights and other issues with American and trying to stop gang violence. He had personal tragedies in his life. He made mistakes in his life that were highly, highly hit, you know, talked about, and he atoned for it. Uh, he was not a perfect human being. But, you know, I got to know him real well. I had an exclusive with him for five years on the radio and been up to his house many times with my dad. And he met my kids, and I just saw him at the last Hall of Fame for Cliff Branch. And I just want to share this story quickly. Uh, he wasn't doing well when I saw him in Canton at the Hall of Fame, and I knew that. And I had a chance to spend a few minutes with him and say goodbye without saying goodbye. It was one of those things that when I went up to him and, and talked to him, I knew I probably wouldn't see him again. He was not looking good, and clearly he was struggling with his health. And I walked away highly emotional and went back to the group I was with, and I had so much peace come over me because I was able to have that moment to say goodbye. You don't get that chance often with people, you know? You don't get that chance. Uh, you see people in their mid to late 80s. You know, my parents just left yesterday. They're in the mid-80s. I'm going to see them in a couple of weeks again. But when you get a chance to see one of your heroes and one of your legends late in life, you want to take that opportunity to you know, have that final moment if you can. And a lot of times we can't in life. We just can't do it. Uh, I'm taking calls to the top of the hour. And then I got a couple of interviews coming up next hour. So if you want to call in on Jim Brown, uh, the news is confirmed. Jim Brown has passed away. Uh, I think he's one of the, he's on the Mount Rushmore of the greatest players of all time. The greatest running back of, of all time. No debate. He's a Babe Ruth of the sport. It was Babe Ruth in baseball, then Jim Brown. Until Emmett Smith and Barry Sanders and Walter Payton came around. But I still think they didn't have the power and impact. Kind of like Tiger Woods and Muhammad Ali. A breaking news on the death of Jim Brown earlier today. Panthers pounce on it. Ekblad at the Kane line. Flips it in. Near corner. Burns reverses. 15 seconds left. Bennett. Kachuk scores! Matthew Kachuk! 12.7 seconds on the clock. The Florida Panthers win game one in quadruple overtime. Yeah, that was a goal last night. And it's a big one. Again, I was with Jonathan Kane from the from Journey in the third overtime and the fourth overtime, and then I thought it was going to the fifth overtime, but uh, that was something. Breaking news, Jim Brown has passed away. I'm getting a lot of texts. Uh, I knew him well, and a lot of people are texting me. It's all over Twitter. We have a lot of stuff planned for next hour, so Bobby and I decided Monday we're going to do a tribute to Jim Brown. He had deep connections with Mr. Al Davis from Syracuse. Uh, we had a chance to reconnect them both. There's a video interview i did with jim brown at the coliseum i'm trying to get that now from the raider archives and he's a huge impactful person in the history of the nfl he's on the mount rushmore of the nfl i don't think he'll ever be removed with jerry rice tom brady now for seven super bowls jim brown's history and impact on the sport he retired at the age of 29 because he was on the movie set of the movie the dirty dozen 
and they wanted him to come back for training camp, but he was making more money in the movies, and they weren't flexible with him, so he retired at the absolute top of his game. I don't think there's ever been a player in any sport, in any sport, that retired in the absolute top of their game and top of their dominance. Jim Brown has that title. No one's even close to him at that. He could have played another six or seven years and been the MVP, three, four more of them. And the impact that he had on Cleveland, uh, he tried to stop gang violence. There's so many stories to share that, uh, that, again, I'd rather do this on Monday when we can put the show together and not just fly by the seat of our pants here. So Jim Brown, uh, dead at the age of 87, uh, not shocking. He was in failing health for a while. The statement from his wife is out there. It is with profound sadness that I announced the passing of my husband, Jim Brown. He passed away peacefully last night in our L.A. home. To the world, he was an activist, actor, and football star to our family. He was a loving and wonderful husband, father, grandfather. Our hearts are broken. And that coming from Monique Brown, as Jim has just passed away. And he's got a lot of friends. And the work that he did with Dr. Martin Luther King and the work that he did with Muhammad Ali, when Muhammad Ali was at the toughest point in his career, uh, sitting down with presidents and leaders from around the world. And again, I, th- I think for me, his biggest impact was trying to stop the gang violence and trying to save lives in the street. Uh, that's what That was big for him. We had his 70th birthday party, so he died at the age of 87 today. His 70th birthday party was in Los Angeles, right across from Staples Center, and I got a chance to emcee the party. And Pete Carroll was there. Bill Belichick was there. They all came out and spoke. And Pete Carroll, I had so much respect for him, he would work the inner city streets in Los Angeles with Jim Brown, trying to get to kids who were gangbangers and try to save their lives. He did a lot of that that many people didn't know about. He had a domestic issue with his wife. Uh, That was a high-profile case. He atoned for that. It was a terrible mistake in his life. A lot of people bring that up all the time. And he asked for forgiveness and, and kept his marriage together. And his wife's a great lady. Uh, That wasn't one of his proudest moments, but there was a lot more good of Jim Brown, and there was a lot more peace with Jim Brown than most people know. Jim Brown, rest in peace. Again, Monday, I'm going to make some phone calls here over the weekend and put something together, hopefully a couple of interviews and some Raider connections. Big Al in San Francisco, who knows a little bit about the history of sports and Jim Brown. What's happening, Big Al? Uh, JT, it's a a sad day, huh? With you know, with the passing of Jim Brown, he was a New Yorker as I am a New Yorker, mm-hmm. as you are a New Yorker, uh, so we understand his passion and what he tried to do. You know, often often with a lot of resistance, unfortunately, from everything that I read and was told about him. But he made it, he tried to make a great impact on people, and I think that he did. And he'll be, you know, he'll be sorely missing. I hope that younger people can take a look at him as a role model. And somebody who really did try to create change, who was a disruptor, because he was an early stage disruptor. It's not like we mm-hmm, we yeah. read about disruptors now, but he was very early stage. This goes back to the sixties and seventies with him, not something that started up ten years ago. Nicely said, no doubt. I know you wanted to call in on the NBA as we get back to that. I think the Lakers are dead, a big owl, because I don't think they can win four out of five. I'm trying to simplify it. I think they could win two out of three. I think four out of five, especially having to get two more in Denver, is just too much uphill. The best player in the game plays on Denver, but you can argue that two of the of the next four or five best players plays on Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And whenever you have that kind of that kind of firepower, um, as evidenced what what we saw against Golden State, um, 
and so well, and certainly against Memphis too. Uh, I would not look at them as having a puncher's chance. Denver played well; they held home court. That's all they did. And now it goes back. You know, it goes back to LA tomorrow. I look at the I look at this team and I say, you have two great players, and there's other good role players on this team. I look at Denver and I go, you have one great player, one very good player who was out for a year and a half and played very, very well in the fourth quarter last night, but he wasn't there prior. Um, I'm not so sure that Denver is overmatching, overmatches the Lakers. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not going to come out and say that the Lakers can't pull this off. But the Warriors, with all their flaws, could come back against a, a Sacramento team that is theoretically better than the Warriors. Why can't the Lakers do that against Denver? They got two great players, and yeah. when you have two, two, when, when you're going to suit, when you're going to play two of your great players, thirty-five minutes plus a game, and if they're on top of their game, you, you, you know, you're going to be in every game. Appreciate the call. Uh, I will push back. Only thing I'll say is that Jamal Murray was a great player last night. He was the best player on the court, and no one's mentioning him. So everybody says there's two players to one. And the two players would be Anthony Davis and LeBron James to Jokic. Well, how about including Jamal Murray? How about including some of the other players on that team who are really good? Porter Jr. Uh, there's good players all across that roster there, and I don't, I don't think they get any credit at all. They don't get much credit at all. <clears throat> Excuse me, and they should. They should get a lot more credit because they're great players. 888-MAD-DOG-6, 888-623-3646. Yeah, <clears throat> excuse me a second. I'm pretty emotional on this Jim Brown news uh, that just came down here in a little bit. Uh, we're going to wrap it up here coming up in a moment here, and Bobby and I are going to put together uh, another opportunity to put some guests on with this breaking news, and I'm trying to get some content from the Raiders for next Monday if we're able to do that, and we'll figure out what we're able to do there. So we got a few minutes left in the show. Uh, we already booked Scott Kaplan, who's going to join us next hour. Scott is in ESPN LA in Los Angeles on what the Lakers need to do to get back in the series. Uh, next when I think we're off. Bobby, what are we off next week for? We got an Aviators game on, is that Tuesday, I believe, or Monday? Uh, I think we got an Aviators game on Tuesday. Okay, so the Aviators play. Yeah, so we have that. Uh, we have Raiders Roundtable on Thursday. I believe Josh McDaniels is meeting the media on Thursday, so we'll be out over at the facility for that. Uh, leaderboard's changing here. Scheffler just dropped the stroke. He is four under par. Uh, Keegan Bradley's moved up to four under par. DeChambeau has dropped down to three under. And Connors is the leader at five under. And he's on the eighth hole as it looks like some of the rain was able to stop along the way. Breaking news, Jim Brown has died at the age of 87 years old. It is trending all over sports. Uh, It's impossible to describe him. This comes in from the Cleveland Browns. This is from the official Cleveland Browns Twitter. Jim Brown forever, legend, leader, activist, visionary. It's impossible to describe the profound love and gratitude we feel for having the opportunity to be a small piece of Jim's incredible life and legacy. We mourn his passing but celebrate his great light that he brought to the world. Our hearts are with Jim's family's loved ones and all the impacted along the way. We'll see what else happens around the NFL as some of the NFL teams and organizations will be tweeting out here as we go forward on the day. So coming up next hour, uh, we also have scheduled a little bit of Golden Knights talk as the Golden Knights played tonight. So they got a Friday game, and they have a Sunday game. Uh, you like to get one of them. I expect two. 
They have home ice advantage for a reason at the Fortress. Hopefully they come out with their hair on fire. They play an unbelievable game. They get two, and then they travel to Dallas. And Dallas has been around a lot longer than the Vegas Golden Knights. That crowd's going to be insane in Dallas if they steal a game in Las Vegas. Oh, Haney Lomancheco is Saturday night at the MGM Grand. I'll be there for that. Thanks to Kevin Ioli for coming on. I think Haney's going to win in a decision. I, I think he can knock out Loma. He can, but Lomachenko, this is the biggest fight of his life because if he wins it, he gets all the belts back, and his legacy will take a rocket ship ride even higher than it's been. So I'm looking for a classic coming up on Saturday night, and then VGK on Sunday. Jim Brown passed away. Rest in paradise, Jim. Final hour of the week coming up next, brought to you by Modelo, the fighting spirit of Modelo. Modelo.